you missed me at the beginning, I'm Duncan, I lead Revelation Church, and over the next 30 minutes, I am going to offer you a gift, a gift of ramifications for you, not just for your life now, but into your eternal future. But on first appearance, this is going to look nothing like a gift. It is going to look like I am trying to take from you. It's going to look like I'm maybe trying to swindle you or con you. You might be, I mean, the guys here have no choice. They've got to listen to the rest of this message. But you might be tempted to hit disconnect and to leave and to think, actually, maybe this message isn't for me today. But if we listen to Jesus' words as he's here in the Sermon on the Mount as we pick up our series, we are going to see just why Jesus puts such an emphasis on giving our money, that it really is a gift to us. Today, um, I wanted to speak on, on giving our money, following on from our Vision Sunday from last week and all that Jesus is doing amongst us. So uh, Robin is actually going to next week be picking up the end of chapter five, but we're going to be diving into uh, chapter six and jumping ahead a little bit. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter six. And so I want to invite you to turn there if you've got your, a Bible with you. If you haven't, don't worry, the words are going to appear on the screen just in front of me as we read. And today I'm calling this message, Giving Your Heart giving your heart. And we are going to read from Matthew chapter 6 from verse 1, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump down to verse 19 as well at some point. So verse 1, this is Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Then jumping down to verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust and destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We need to hear these words of Jesus in the context of the whole Sermon on the Mount. Just a, a, maybe a little refresher for you. He has gathered an enormous crowd at this point in his ministry through the signs and the wonders that he's done, healing people, setting people free from demonic powers. And everybody is desperate to hear what is it that Jesus has to say. And Jesus then begins this sermon answering the question that is on the lips of every single person at that time, in this moment of the world's history, how can we live a good and rich and flourishing life? And that is exactly how Jesus begins his sermon, blessed are, and he opens up into that. And the disciples that are sat around him, who this sermon is primarily addressing, they have just heard the call of Jesus, they have only just started following him, and they are listening into the sermon and hearing that all of these things, they can, be, they can be theirs. They can know this flourishing, rich life in Jesus, all the blessings of the kingdom of God for now in their life and into their eternal future, if only they will come and be with Jesus and follow his way. 
And where Jesus has led us in this sermon is, is into the, the hinge verse that we saw before of verse 21 of encouraging his disciples into greater righteousness than even those of the Pharisees and the scribes of the day. And he's saying that he's inviting them to live changed lives that flow out of a heart that is completely changed for him. And that is, where, that is the context that brings us to this point. And it is a very good question, I think, at this stage to be asking, okay, well, what does that actually look like? Uh, what, is, what are the real, practical, tangible life changes that I am meant to make that are this life of following Jesus, this greater righteousness that Jesus is asking his people to embody? How do I live it out? And that's exactly what Jesus gets to as we get into chapter 6. We're going to see in future weeks that Jesus is talking about uh, praying and fasting and other things that we can do. But what is it that Jesus opens with? Our wallet. Right out the gate. First thing on the agenda. Money. This has to get our attention. That this is the first thing in how to live our lives positively for Jesus. He mentions our money. He says twice in, uh, in the verses 1 to 4, when you give. Not if you give, not on the off chance that you might give, not just if you happen to be sat on the end of the row and the person with the offering basket is glaring at you that you might then give. No, when you give. And then the concluding section that we read in verses 19 and 20, which wrap up the whole of the, these verses that we're looking at, he's talking about, uh, don't invest in the things of the world, but be investing in the things of eternity. And these verses, undoubtedly, they have, Jesus is saying more than just about our money in those verses. But money is right at the front of Jesus's mind as he's, as he's concluding and wrapping up that little bit because he finishes with his killer line that we didn't read in verse 24 where he says you cannot worship, we cannot serve God and money. Jesus doesn't hold back when talking about money in his sermon or in any of his teaching and notice how it's not just buried in the small print somewhere, not found in the advanced manual of discipleship, volume 16. The only read once you have absolutely mastered the basics and been walking with him for years and years and years. Now, this is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' clearest teaching of living in the kingdom and walking with him. And he's talking to amateurs, uh, people that have just started following him. This is introductory course on how to live in the kingdom and as soon as he gets practical first up giving our money before he talks about how we need to pray before he talks about how we ought to fast before he talks about anything to do with reading scripture for ourselves somehow it even gets in there before he teaches us how to raise our hands at the right point before the big key change in our favorite worship song gets in before that now, I imagine all of us have our own priority order of what the things that we think we ought to get done in order to follow Jesus well and the things that he would ask of us in order to do well. Maybe it's just like, uh, 2021, I'm going to nail my Bible in a year reading plan. Or maybe uh, this is going to be the year where I finally get round to actually praying for people when I say that I'm going to pray for people. All of these, of course, they're essential things. They're things you should be doing. But I just, I wonder where giving your money ranks in your list of essential things that disciples should be doing. 
Because Jesus is clear. He says, my disciples, they give their money. And it's a, it's a real delight for me, actually, to be able to say that since we started Revelation Church two and a half years ago, I think this has been right at the core of our culture and who we are. I think it's who Jesus has made us to be. We have always had people willingly and sacrificially giving into the life of the church. Our finances have always been healthy as a church. And we have not just had people generous to the church, but generous to one another. Just an example from this last week, there was someone that needed a bit of food, someone in need, and they text me, and so I text out to a a group of people saying, look, we've got this person in need, and immediately, at least half a dozen people got back to me saying, oh, I can can order some food online, I can drop some food off, I can cook for them, what do they like, what have they got, how can we serve them? It's almost like they were waiting by their phone for an opportunity to give, it's like, oh, I hope Duncan texts me with an opportunity to be able to serve somebody. But I think that gives an insight into just some of the culture that there is in the family. And I think because Jesus has put this in as one of our defining marks, his invitation to us would also be, I want you to keep keep growing in this, keep going in this, and be a people defined by a freedom where we just give to him. And what Jesus is doing in verses 1 through to 4 is that he is affirming the practice of giving to the synagogue collection. So how this would work is that there would be a collection that would then go on to feed the hungry and the the needy in their community. And so everybody who wasn't desperately in need would give into this collection, it would go into the central pot and then get redistributed. And this would be their regular giving. So in some ways, it's, it's not dissimilar to the, your giving to your local church. Like they gave to their local synagogue. In this way, we may give to our local church. And Jesus, but I want to completely redefine what your knowledge of and experience of giving is when it comes to giving away your money. In verse 2, he says, I don't want you to give, like uh, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. He's saying, don't be like the hypocrites sounding a trumpet. And what he's saying there is he's not talking about a literal trumpet that they used to sound whenever they would give their money. Um, Although probably Jesus would say to you, if you do have a trumpet that you blow every time you give money, probably time to put that on eBay. But what he's talking about is when he says hypocrites, is he's he's talking that word hypocrite used to be uh, used to mean the same as as actor, and he's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes most likely here. And what he's saying is that these guys they're acting, they are living out a play, and the whole world is their stage. We get a bit of a better sense of what Jesus is is saying um, when he has a few choice words for the same group of people in Matthew chapter 15. We've looked at this um, passage before. It's so helpful for us to understand what what is it that Jesus is driving at here where he says to them, you hypocrites, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts, they're far from me. Saying, look, they're, they're doing the right thing. They're giving into the collection, but their hearts are all wrong. There's no devotion. This is not devotion for them, not devotion to God. This, what seems like righteousness, is not righteousness at all. At the core of their righteousness, there is, there's pride, there's, it's, there's arrogance, it's self-serving. That's exactly what Jesus is driving at in, uh, in verses 
verses verse one where he talks about them doing it in order to be seen verse two where he talks about them doing it to be praised by others that somehow for this group of people their giving to god has become entirely self-centered and at this point, this seems like fairly good news for us because we think, oh, I, I have literally never made a big old song and dance about the fact that I've given. I've never ostentatiously turned up, well, I've never gone to a bank, exchanged my entire gift into coppers and then just strode up to the, the old giving point and just emptied them in as loudly as possible so that everybody in the congregation hears. And you think, great, I'm off the hook. I'm not like this at all. But actually, if I look at my own heart, I realize how easy it can be to fall into self-centered giving. Maybe for you, maybe for me, it's not pride, but perhaps resentment. I think actually in my giving, there can often be no real devotion at all. That actually I'm more focused and thinking about, oh, all the things I can't now buy because I'm going to have to give this away. Maybe not resentment, maybe cynicism. You think, yeah, I give, but like, does the church really need this? Like, what on earth is it that they're spending their money on? Perhaps guilt. You're saying, oh, every time giving would come up, I just felt guilty. So I just started to give a, a, re- a small amount, just a nominal amount, really, coming out of my bank every month, just so that I don't really feel bad about myself and feel like I've ticked that box off. Maybe you haven't started giving, but your thinking would be kind of self-centered. You think, I just, I just don't want to have less money. All of those are stages that I have been through in my own heart more than once. <laughs> but it's the heart of a hypocrite. It's doing the right thing, perhaps, but the heart of devotion not being there. And what Jesus is saying, Jesus' point here is saying, no, this is not what giving has to look like. I've got something far greater, far better for you. When he says in verse 3, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, what he's saying there is just like he wasn't talking about literal trumpets that the, the hypocrites would blow. He's not talking about literally your giving has to be as secret as you possibly can and nobody else can know. But he is trying to draw the sharpest contrast he possibly can between the hypocrites and the way they engage in heartless, self-centered righteousness and what he wants his disciples in the kingdom of God to be like. Because I don't want giving in the kingdom of God. It's not about yourself. It's not about trying to gain something or to focus on yourself. Your giving in the kingdom of God is about heartfelt devotion to your Father who is in heaven. That's what he says in verse 4. Your Father who sees in secret, will reward you. Saying, this is, you do this for your father, your father alone. Give so that only your father sees. For his eyes only is an act of worship, an act of adoration, an act of love, an act of devotion, joyfully and freefully giving, freely giving to him. He's replacing the idea of self-centered giving with what John Stott calls self-forgetful giving. 
And as much as we don't really like talking about giving, might make us feel uncomfortable, don't really like thinking about it, quite like to ignore it, actually, what I think is that I do think that this is the kind of heart that we want. This is what we want for ourselves. We want to be more generous with our money. We want to be more free in giving our money away. We, we want to willingly be giving to God and just thinking, God, I, I want to give my devotion to you. We don't want to be stingy people. We, don't, we want to find a, a joy in giving our money away. Giving knowing that it pleases our Father in heaven without being plagued with thoughts of, oh my goodness, does this mean I'm going to have to cancel one of the 17 video streaming services that I have? I don't know if I'm going to be able to cope with that. I don't know if I'll be able to live like this. And to just have a freedom, now I'm going to give. And once again, Jesus is bringing this back to a matter of the heart. This theme that we have seen already so much in the Sermon on the Mount, this, this theme that dominates the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus is introducing an entirely new type of righteousness, a righteousness of the kingdom, not hypocritical righteousness, righteousness that only lives on the surface, only goes skin deep, but a righteousness that reaches right down into our hearts. Hearts being the biblical shorthand for the the whole of who we are the fullness of our will and our emotions and our desires and our motivations jesus is saying look come and live the fullness of human flourishing the the fullness of human existence if only you can devote the whole of yourself to me and if you've been maybe following along with the sermon series that we've been doing so far I wonder if you're perhaps asking yourself the question, yeah, but but how, Jesus? How do I live this way? How can I give you the whole of my heart? I've I've tried before and I just get distracted. My heart seems to fall in love with that thing over there so quickly and so easily. How do I live this way? And this is where we see that the opportunity to give our money truly is such a gift to us. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is saying in verses 19 through to 21 is he's saying, look, don't invest your money in the temporary things of this world. Because if you do, moth, rust, thieves, they will see to all of those things. That's not a good investment. He's saying, no, invest your treasure Invest yourself in the things of the heavenly realm. Because there, moth, rust, thieves, they won't be able to touch it. They're safe and they're secure. That's verses 19 and 20. And then he goes on to verse 21 where he gives his reason for why he's saying those things. And at this point, we might think, well, Jesus is going to appeal to a logical argument. He's going to say, well, this is just good sense. It's just good financial planning. It's just prudent. It's just the, what you would do. It's, it's logical. Of course you don't want to put something in an unsafe place. Put it in a safe, secure place forever. We might think that he'd appeal to our mind and say, look, you're going to lose out for a little bit, but boy, if you wait to see how this inv- investment is going to mature in the heavenly realms, you will, you will definitely think it's worth it. But he doesn't say that. 
He doesn't go that way. He does not appeal to our mind. He says, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What he's saying is if you invest in the heavenly things, your heart will follow. If you direct your treasure towards heaven, direct your treasure towards eternity, your heart will change now. Our heart, the center point that this whole sermon, the whole way of Jesus turns around, what Jesus is saying is that as we give, our desires, our affections, they change. We go from people who love the, the earthly, the breakable, the decaying, the cheap, the mundane, the temporary, the limited, to people who love the eternal, the glorious, the supernatural, the beautiful, the priceless, the pure. True lovers of the kingdom of God, devoted to the king sat here on the mountain. Jesus here is saying, here is a practical thing that you can do, a practical thing that you have complete control over, that is totally in your power to do, and it will lead to the mysterious realm of supernatural, spiritual, radical heart transformation. I think so often we have such a hard time seeing this relationship between the, uh, the, the material and the natural and how that impacts the spiritual and the supernatural. We can maybe think they're, they're completely separate realms and that for there to be supernatural spiritual change going on, it needs to be the atmosphere needs to be right and that's the lighting has to be correct. We have to be able to feel it. But here what Jesus is saying is that one of the most powerful and potent things that you can do to engage in the mystery of, uh, of helping ourselves be more and more devoted to Jesus is fire up the Revelation Church website, click the Give button, spend about 20 minutes looking around your house for your wallet, spend another 20 minutes trying to look at the faded numbers on your card and trying to work out what they say, and give your money away, and it will change your heart. And he says it comes through investing your treasure. That's what it says in verse 21. And uh, as I said before, this passage here, these verses, they're far more than just speaking about where our finances go. Although if you do follow Jesus' thought through, it is undoubtedly right at the forefront of what Jesus is addressing. And here's the rub. He says, look, if you want to get in on this, if you want to get in on your desires and your affections changing, this should include giving our money and his invitation is i want you to give an amount that is your treasure not a small or insignificant amount that you're not really going to notice there's something that you you cherish something that means something to you something you will notice if it comes out of your account and I, that also makes it i think unbelievably accessible what jesus is saying here because everyone it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, everyone has something that we treasure. And he's saying, well, what is your treasure? Maybe think about giving that. It's not about a certain amount. It's not about what the person next to you might be giving. He's saying, no, no, what is sacrificial for you? What's costly for you? 
Only you know that. It's between you and God. And at the same time, I know there's a massive mystery about around the kind of, no, but how much should I actually give? And, and we'll get into some of the practicalities of that just right at the end. I do want to give a bit of guidance that might help. But this is why giving comes right at the centre. It's right centre stage, spotlight on it in Jesus' teaching. Because the opportunity to give our money is such a gift to us. I think almost every single person would say, no, I, I want to be more devoted. You've had times where you think, I want to be more devoted in following Jesus. I want my life to be more centered around him. I want to be more disciplined and for my heart to be more aligned with him. I want to be more wholehearted. And here Jesus is saying, here is a significant step you can take to guide your own affections and your heart towards me. If you've ever been frustrated with your apathy of following Jesus, you're disillusioned with the things of the kingdom, you think, why can't I get hold of myself and stop watching endless hours of mindless YouTube videos and just give myself to him? He'd say, it's time to review your treasures. He'd say, let's get practical. Look at your budget. Think, where might you be able to cut down so that you're able to give? Maybe fewer flat whites every month could actually be the way that you start to move more and more into the flourishing that, he, that Jesus is promising in this sermon. That maybe if you were to ban yourself from going to ASOS for three months and use the money that you save there and give just some of it away, perhaps that would start to make a way to a connection with your Father in heaven that you've been missing. And even, Jesus is saying, his, his invitation is, this is our invitation if we find ourselves stuck in self-centered giving. That in this area, we might think, oh, surely the, the, the giving's the problem. Like my temptation would be, oh, surely I've got to step away from giving, or I'm going to stop giving, or I'm not going to start giving. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 come again with your giving. Come again and reassess before me. Think, what about in this moment, in, in my current circumstances, this moment in time, what does it mean for me to give my treasure? And to say again, Jesus, I'm going to take you at your word. That as I give this treasure, even though I can see all kinds of non-devoted heart, heart attitudes in me, I'm going to choose to give again and believe that as I give, as I give something that costs me, you will change my heart. Because as our hearts start to move towards eternity, we start to live for eternity. We start to long for the things that this world cannot give us and to truly desire the reward that only our Father in heaven can give us. That's what Jesus refers to in verse 4. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He's saying be motivated by reward, but don't allow yourselves to be motivated by don't settle for a reward just from a few people for a short space of time. Be motivated by an eternal reward. And he's saying, as we give, we are storing up for ourselves an eternal, imperishable, undecaying, invaluable reward in the heavenlies that one day we will receive. Just consider there the, the stunning implications of giving our money for us. As we give our treasures into eternity, we become 
more and more the person that we want to be as our hearts are transformed now and we are investing in riches that will never fade never depreciate only increase in value and will bring us joy for eternity that is what giving does for us this is why it is such a gift to us as we seek to live the way of jesus can't allow ourselves to ignore it we can't avoid it can't get complacent with it and think oh i sort of ticked that box a few months ago it's something that we we need to regularly return to pray into think what is treasure for me now what is god asking of me and that's what i want to invite you to do today and over the coming weeks as we go on as a church and particularly i want to invite you to be considering how you might give in light of a bit of news that I have to share. Many of you know that at the end of January, our venue um, temporarily shut and they shut our doors. And as it happened, we felt like God was, was saying, it's actually time for, for you to move on. I want to reposition you. And we, we felt him saying, I want you to start looking for a new place. And the news is, God has given us a new place to meet. He's found us a new Sunday venue. As a family, we, as you, again, you might know, we got together and we prayed for this. And as we prayed, we uh, heard God's voice. And as we prayed, we then kept praying and we kept praying and we kept praying. And God, it felt like he was leading us and showing us the way and giving us the direction. And now God has opened the door. This new place for us is an absolute gift from God for us and I want to do it proper justice in order to share the details in a way that I just won't be able to do today so this Wednesday evening rather than having our worship and prayer evening that we'd normally have this Wednesday evening we are going to have a new home evening where we will get to outline everything that we have uh, everything about the new venue and share in as much detail as we want to be able to uh, we'll be able to share everything, like where it is, what it's like, um, how we we'll, we'll share photos, we'll share videos, um, and and a timescale for when we're hoping to be able to meet. But the headline is: This is God's provision for us. It is His gift, it, without doubt. He, there is so much about this new place that is what we have been asking God for. It's uh, closer to the city centre than our previous venue. It's a great location for students. It's bigger with plenty of different rooms for children's work so that we can serve our families one of the main things that we wanted to find in a new place and that of course then serves the rest of the church it's easy to get to it's easy to find and perhaps most importantly in fact definitely more most importantly this was not a place that we found this is a place that God has led us to our good shepherd showed it to us by speaking to us through all kinds of different prophetic images and senses and signs from different people in the church, people from outside the church. It's clear he has spoken. And so I can't wait to share all of the detail of, of the story and, and the signs that led us there and all about the venue. So this Wednesday, 8 p.m. on Zoom. Sorry, I can't share too much more now, um, but would love to be, can't wait to share it with you later this week. So do make sure you fill in a connect form. If you're newer amongst us, we would love to be able to send out the details to you and have you join us for Wednesday. 
But all of this feeds into this, this sense that we know God is repositioning us and not just physically kind of we're in a new place in the city, but spiritually as well. He's been adding people to us. He's been doing deep work in individuals and us as a family. He's preparing us for a new phase of life, a phase which I'm believing is going to be fruitful for us, where we're going to be able to reach more people, see more people saved, more people added to us. And it's a big step forward for us. It's a big step up that God is inviting us into. And it requires faith. We are believing as we follow God. We are believing as he has led us. He is going to provide for us. Of course he will. And I want to invite you that as we follow him, I want to invite you to join with us in giving towards this with your money. If Revelation Church is your church, this is your family, I want to invite you to be thinking, okay, what can I give? How might I be being led to give towards this and partner with all that Jesus is doing and all that he's leading us into? This is what an internal, eternal investment looks like. This is investing in the kingdom of heaven, that it's through the local church that Jesus is advancing his kingdom here on earth. And so as we give, not only are our hearts getting more connected to the mission here, not only are you giving more of yourself into what we particularly have been called to do, but this is investing in the heavenly thing. And it's really not just about the money. Last week I spoke about us following our good shepherd wherever it is that he wants to lead us. And the path that he has marked out for us, I, I don't know about you, but for me, it feels exhilarating. But we need boldness and we need courage if we are going to keep following him in this world that rejects him. And for that, to keep following him, we need hearts that have been transformed. We need hearts that... And it's through giving, giving our money and giving of our other things that we get strengthened as sheep to be able to follow our good shepherd wherever he leads. And just very finally, I want to give a few practical pointers on giving, if you want to engage in giving. Um, the mystery of how much should I actually give, just wanted to give a few pointers on that, maybe put some numbers to, a, uh, to a, an extent that's helpful and appropriate. First thing I'd want to say is that sometimes it's not the right time to give. That if you are struggling financially, you, you, you can't quite make ends meet, then we wouldn't want you to give to us. We want to be giving to you. And so please, if you find yourself in that place, we want to be able to support you. Please do get in touch. But for most of us, we should aim to give out of what we get in. And so that would look like a regular weekly or monthly um, gift, depending on when you get paid, that as it comes in, you give out of it. And if you're new to it, you might just want to you know, dip your toe in the giving world by giving a one-off gift to start with and think, okay, I'm just going to give that, see how it feels, see how it, uh, see it, just to kind of adjust yourself to that. But if you're in the place where you think, no, I, I really, I want to follow Jesus. I want to take him at his word. I want to do what he would want of me. Then... I think giving 10% of what comes in is a very good starting place. 10%, uh, it feels sacrificial for most of us. It, it feels like a kind of, I notice it's not there. 
uh, and it feels like treasure, something that you would cherish. But at the same time, I think it's quite a manageable starting place. It doesn't feel too much like you're just jumping in right at the deep end. And it has Old Testament, um, there's uh, references in the Old Testament to giving 10%. And so you, you kind of know I'm walking in my forefathers' footsteps a little bit. But this is something we want to keep growing in. The, the, the thrust of this passage, you know, it's a devotion to our Father. It's, it's us knowing that as we give, our hearts are more and more and more transformed into kingdom hearts, if you like. And for me and Hannah, just to share some of our story, I think I started at 10% of my income when I was working full time and um, I started giving as a student, but as I started to get a bit more regular, about 10%, and then we got married. I think I rounded it up to a number that felt a bit more, you know, round. Um, And so that probably equated to about 12%. And I had quite a good job and Hannah started working full time. And I think our goal as we got more and more money in wasn't just to give more of our money, but to increase that proportion of our income over time as well. And then the real challenge has been for us is then as I started working for a church and Hannah started working, uh, stopped working full time, our overall income has dropped, but trying to keep that proportion that we were giving, again, proportion as high or at the same level, And then as we've adjusted to that and kept following Jesus, kept increasing that proportion as we've gone on. Just finish with one final story from John Wesley that I'm always uh, challenged by the the 18th century revivalist. He, on his first year of employment, um, earned 30 pounds in the year. And he lived off 28 pounds of that and gave two pounds away. Next year, he earned 60 pounds, but he still lived off 28 pounds and gave two pounds away. Uh, sorry, 32 pounds away. I'm a maths graduate, probably doesn't show. He then got 90 pounds the next year, still 28 pounds was what he lived off, gave the rest away. 120 pounds, still the same story. Long story short, end of his life, the bumper year for him in terms of his prosperity financially, he earned 1,600 pounds through royalties of his books and ministry and all of that, still lived off 28 pounds, gave the rest away. And I think an interesting, helpful, challenging question for us to ask ourselves is, as more money comes in, is the standard of our living increasing or is the standard of our giving increasing? And finally, students, I know there's often the question of, oh, I don't really have an income, it's a loan, and what help could this small amount that I'm able to give really uh, really go for? And I would just want to say that you will spend your money on something. You, you, you have an amount there, however small it is, that you treasure, and it's got to go somewhere. And the question is, where's that going to go to? Your heart will follow wherever you spend that money. And so it's really not about how can the church really use this, but it's about your heart. Where do you want your heart to go? Jesus puts this teaching on giving front and center in his teaching because not because he wants to take from us but because he the, the potential for this to change us for now and for eternity to enrich us now and for eternity is huge let's not avoid it let's not ignore it let's give gareth and helen would you like to come what we're going to do now 
I'm going to finish with a, a song. And here's what I'd like to invite you to do. As I said, this is not just a you need to give now kind of moment, although you might be feeling led to that. And the, the link will come up in the chat, whether you're on Zoom, on YouTube, and you might feel like, actually, this is a moment. I, I felt God speaking. I want to give. I want to start this journey today. I know myself well enough to know I'll just forget if I don't do something now. And I feel like God's prompting me to an action. If that's you, I want to encourage you, do go for it as the link comes up. But for the rest of us, I want to encourage us as the, this song comes on, you might want to use it as a song for reflection and to ask God, would you give me an amount now to be wrestling with and to be praying into? Would you challenge me with an amount that you might want me to give? What is my treasure at this moment? And as he gives those numbers to people, as I said, in the coming days and weeks, I want to encourage you to be praying into that, to, to say and to think, could this be what God is inviting me to give as we journey on as a family together? So let's sing this song. I'm just going to very quickly pray now that, that, that God will be speaking to us. We have a good shepherd who speaks and leads us on. That's true for us as a people. And as Tori was sharing, that's true for us as individuals. Spirit, we just ask as we reflect now, would you be dropping inspiration and, and thoughts and numbers into people's heads as to how we can give into this? And I pray that we would be an obedient people, that we would be seeking to give ourselves to you, and that we would include our money in that. Amen. Let's sing a final song.